Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in Logos podcast. My name is Brad. Uh, joined by Austin, as always. This besides last week, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> That's true. But we are back. Austin is back. We did not kick him off. He did not get fired or resign. There is no rift. <laughs> you can't get rid of me. <laughs> but we are the long haul. Yeah, we are. We are back. Episode number sixty. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a cool round number. We are getting ever. It is round. Round. I mean, it, yeah, because it's divisible by two, so it's a round number. Okay. Even number. Even number. Episode number sixty. We're excited to be here. We are going to go through Romans chapter sixteen. The finish up our study. Chapter. Of Romans that started a long time ago, and we're excited to, to finish this up and move on to some new and exciting ventures and topics. Uh, Austin, how's your week been? Uh, yeah, obviously, you've been out for a couple weeks. Uh, everybody doing, everybody happy, healthy, and rolling along? Uh, we're all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing better. Getting in that spring cleaning mode, I guess. Yeah. Trying to get the lawnmower working. <laughs> the weather has taken a turn. It has. For the better. Got that. That driver's sunburn on the left side, <laughs> right side's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I lather up with sunscreen anytime I go outside when it's warm at this point. I mean, part of that is because I burn insanely easy. You know, I, I went to Myrtle Beach once before I moved there and got burnt on a cloudy day. Cloudy, dreary, <laughs> rainy. Went on the beach because it wasn't raining, it was just cloudy and yeah. overcast and came home and or went back to the hotel and burnt. Just yeah. too crisp. They tell you they, if you're not used to the beach, you don't go very often. If you're if yeah. overcast and cloudy, oh yeah, you're burnt. Yeah. So, but no. And the other reason is, you know, I like I got to protect the investment that I have on both arms because right. uh, sun fades those tattoos very, very easily and severely. So anyway, that's just a little side, side note. note. Yeah, it means nothing to this podcast, but <laughs> but now we know. But now we know. So, like I said, today we're gonna go into Romans chapter sixteen. One little housekeeping item before we jump into our our little uh, opening segment and then our topic. Last week when Simon was on, I got very excited because I decided to do a new editing software called Descript. And it promised all these features. And some of the features were there and they were kind of cool and I kind of liked it. It took me about twice as long to edit the episode than it normally does. And it didn't sound good. (laughs) So... If that is the first episode you listen to, thank you for listening. We we appreciate that. We do hope that you give us another chance because I will go back to my other software that I'm used to and that I know how to use. It was not as bad as you thought. Well, it oh, I boy. listened to it. I thought it was great. Yeah, so it's so, not as bad. But anyway, we'll we'll try to do better on that on that front this week. But get back to our normal quality with the dog barking in the background. But first, uh, before we get into Romans 16, I wanted to comment on this video clip that has been circulating that I'm sure you've seen. I mean, we shared a post from John Cooper, who he commented on it, and he had some thoughts and insights. And before he posted, I, of course, was like, oh, we should talk about this. And then he did it, and everyone's gonna be like, oh, Brad, you're doing it because John's doing it. Not really. John Cooper stole our thunder. Yeah, he, he, he just... Got to it first, all right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got a lot more resources than we do, so we're going to blame that. Yeah. But no, um, I wanted to talk about this MSNBC analyst, Matthew Dowd. And so on Wednesday, he was doing an interview, and they were, I think in con- full context, they were talking about this, quote unquote, don't say gay bill in Florida, which of course is not even close to the uh, true description of that bill. Yeah. It's very, very simple, that bill. If you are in kindergarten through third grade, if you teach kindergarten through third grade in a public school system in Florida, 
You are not allowed to talk to them about sexuality, gender ideology, or, or anything of that nature. Yeah. You, not that you can't say the word gay. It's not that you can't say, oh, me and my partner went out kayaking this weekend. Yeah. Like, that's not what it says. It, it's, you're not allowed to have lessons or discuss gender dysphoria. Yeah. Boys can be girls. Girls can be boys. And so on and so forth. You can't groom the kids into these sexual deviants that that side of the aisle is trying to do. Mm-hmm. So that's all the bill actually says. And of course, Matthew Dowd, who, if you go on MSNBC, you already lean a certain direction. You already, you're already <laughs> going to be woke. You're going to be whatever. And he just makes these claims about Jesus that if you haven't heard them, you have to hear to believe, honestly, that, that he, someone would say something like this. So I'm going to play this clip, and it's about a minute and a half long. So we're going to play this clip, and then we're just going to give our takes on it and, and just kind of break it down a little bit. So without further ado, the illustrious and insightful Matthew Dowd. I hope you heard my sarcasm. sarcasm. <laughs> the entire message of the Gospels of the Easter holidays was love one another. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If Jesus Christ was alive today, he would be called a groomer. He would be called woke and he would be called a socialist if he was alive today. If he was speaking the message he spoke in the Gospels today about treating everybody with dignity, Jesus Christ hung around with prostitutes and tax collectors. He was nailed to a cross because he spoke on behalf of the most marginalized people in the Middle East. And the idea that certain segment of our population has tried to capture the faith and corrupt a message that I may have been a follower of since I was baptized, and when it was confirmed and served on the altar in the course of this is something I think all of us, it's not just people of faith, but all of us, whether you're Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever you happen to be, or don't have a faith at all. The message that love conquers hate is a message all of us, all of us should be pushing, but especially the Christians in our country who cannot stand what has happened to our faith. Wow. So Jesus would have been called woke, a groomer, and socialist. And we have corrupted Christianity if we, if we don't believe that. So I'm guessing he's a socialist. Uh, who knows what this guy is? He, he's, he's not a believer. Okay. I mean, let's just throw that out there just based on that statement. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to, you know, condemn the man to hell. But, you know, based on that statement alone, I'm like, man, you got best case scenario, you have faulty theology. In well, certain it, areas, but but more likely, you have a terrible grasp of the gospel, and you don't follow Christianity. He does not have a high view of scripture or a high view of the king. Right. He, he doesn't. He thinks he does, but he doesn't. And apparently, we're not reading the same Bible, because I'm just, I'm flipping through here. I'm looking at just even the Sermon on the Mount, you know. Again, Jesus, he's talking about the things that Jesus taught in the Gospels. I'm like, uh, this is not woke stuff. No. Um, this is stuff that anybody claiming to be woke today would stone Jesus for oh, and tell him to be crucified. So It's this trend that we're seeing in the West of not necessarily deconstruction, but lessening and ripping apart anything Jesus said. Yeah. Taking it completely and wildly out of context, ignoring certain things that he said, ignoring certain teachings of his, and taking the simplistic love one another, which, yes... That is true. Jesus did speak of love. They will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Yeah. So absolutely love is a big thing. Absolutely. Jesus preached love. Jesus did choose prostitutes and tax collectors to to be his followers. But did he let them sit 
in their prostitution? Did he let them sit in their wicked tax-collecting ways? No, they transformed their lives, right? And they molded their lives to imitate Christ. Yeah. They changed. It wasn't love them as they are and then don't ever, never tell them to change what they're doing. No, it's I love you, but you're wrong, so you need to change your behavior. Mm-hmm. Change your heart. So absolutely, he hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes. He, he saved a murderer in, in Paul. Right. You know, he saved someone who committed essentially genocide against the Christians in the name of God. Right. He saved him. But did Paul continue to live in that sin? No. No. He radically changed. He had a radical life change. So they ignore completely this idea <clears throat> that you have to change your life to be a believer. They ignore that. They say, right. oh, just love. Just love everyone. Just have empathy. Just love everybody. Okay. Yes. De- define love. And. I mean, okay. That's a great yeah. question. Because <laughs> is it love to see someone that you quote unquote love doing something that is going to harm them and just let them keep doing it? No. Love is, as we talked about a few weeks ago, violently grabbing them by the arm and pulling them out of traffic. Yeah. Right? That's love. It's a violent act at times. Yeah. That hurts. That's going to hurt your kid's arm if you see them running into traffic and you grab them and swing them back. May even dislocate their shoulder, heaven forbid, (laughs) right? Yeah. Rip a shirt. Rip a shirt. Yeah. But that's love because you you see them heading to destruction. So you grab them, you bring them back. That's love. Love is not letting them, oh, do whatever you want. Just go go play in the street. Right. (laughs) Right? Have fun. Go play with fire. Have a great life. Go 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 live and then learn. Yeah, go point that loaded gun at yourself. Like that's totally fine. Yeah, it, it's it's mind blowing to me this twisting of scripture and this twisting of what Jesus talks about. You know, we can even go farther and talk about the apostles. Yeah, when we talk about the high view of scripture, we're talking about the scripture is the inerrant word of God. So we believe that the words Jesus spoke, the words Moses spoke, the words Noah spoke. The words Paul spoke, the words James spoke, so on and so forth. Everything in the Bible is authoritative. So to disobey the, the, the commands of Paul, the teachings of Paul, to go against those teachings, we would say we're disobeying God as well. Yes. Because he ordained that those are in the scriptures. Breathed out by and God. And breathed out by God. Through men. Yeah. So we take those seriously. So not just Jesus. They're twisting the words of Paul. Paul talks about homosexuality explicitly mm-hmm. in multiple passages of his writings. Well, that's not woke. Definitely not. Right? You look at some of the the churches that he rails against in his letters Mm -hmm. that are dealing with incest, dealing with child sacrifice, dealing with sons taking their father's wives. Yeah. Right? You have all these instances of things that we consider, maybe not child sacrifice, although abortion is considered that, I think, is is akin to child sacrifice, Mm -hmm. although certain people wouldn't believe that. But things that we now say are okay homosexuality is not only something we're okay with, it's something we celebrate. They glorify. It's something we have a month of pride about. That's, that's and it goes against the teachings of, of Christ, teachings of Paul. Yeah. Teachings of the Old Testament. So to say that Jesus would be woke, that he would be accepting of everybody exactly <coughs> where they are, is, is obviously completely wrong. Right. He is not woke. Jesus was the most anti-woke. Yes, did he do things that were countercultural? Absolutely. Right? He did. He gave women credit and gave women oh, yeah. a place that that culture did not give them yep absolutely he did he showed them more respect than anybody in that culture did 100 percent. yeah he said let the little children come to me absolutely he did he did things that were countercultural. 
Based on human standards. <laughs> Based on human standards. <laughs> well, my, my big thing with this is I really do not like it when someone interposes what they believe Jesus would do. And, the, and <clears throat> that was a whole movement. You know, back right. in the 90s, it was what would Jesus do? And it's like, okay, for one, we have evidence. We, I mean, the Bible tells us exactly what Jesus did. So we can look at exactly what he did. So what did Jesus do? You read it. But then you interpose and say, oh, well, Jesus would do this if he were here. And I think that's a very dangerous thing to do. And that's what he's doing. He's saying Jesus would be woke. Jesus would do all these things. And it's like, well, for one, you have no authority or any position to say what Jesus would or wouldn't do. That's completely up to God. Right. What we can see is historically what he did. And that's where we can go from there. But I, I man, I just, yeah, I don't like that. I don't know. <laughs> no. And, and would Jesus treat this, uh, the, the, the transgender person with contempt and hatred? Absolutely not. No. Would he treat that person with love and compassion? Absolutely he would. Yeah. But would he condone their behavior and their lifestyle and say, oh, it's okay, you just be you? No, he wouldn't. He would say, repent, turn away from your wicked ways and follow me. Yeah. It's it's the same idea to the rich young ruler. What must I do to be saved? Sell all your possessions and follow me. There has to be a life change. There has to be a turning away from your sinful tendencies and your sinful desires and turning towards him. Yeah. That is the most anti-woke statement ever because wokeism is do whatever you want, whatever feels good, it's great. Socialism. I feel I feel like I'm a woman today. Okay, I'm a woman today. <laughs> Someone's going to take that clip and just clip that out. And then, and, and, and Brad, Brad feels like a woman. Brad too. from Rooted in Logos says he's a woman now. With Shania know. Twain playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what is the point of us bringing this up? Uh, for me, it was to rant. Rant. <laughs> well, and, and for me, it was. You know, not interposing on what we believe Jesus would do. We can yeah. see historically through scripture what he has done and what, and I, we, we can get an idea of what he might do today, but the end of it is we know exactly what he's going to do today. We know exactly what he's going to do whenever he comes back. Yeah. He's going to bring a sword yeah. and he is going to say, enough. All of you who have followed me, come with me. The dead will rise first and then us in Christ will rise next. Everyone else stays. Based on scripture, everyone who believes in this woke stuff and goes along with the world, we're going to be gone. They're going to stay here. Yeah. And that's it. We, we, it is not our job. Again, yeah, we do not judge the world. And Paul would say, in order to do that, you would have to leave the world and you can't do that. So you have to live in the world. You have to live with all these people. But we, we don't judge them. We don't. We love them. We do. And we tell them this, this is not. This is not right. This is not what scripture says. But to this guy who is who is spreading this false doctrine, spreading yeah. this false evil look of God, of our God, he will be judged severely for this because he is not only spreading lies, but he is putting out a stumbling stone for other people. Right. And he is going to lead people away from God. True God. Yeah. And and the good thing is, he was on MSNBC, so maybe 15 people saw it live. I mean, I'm sure a lot more people have seen it now yeah. that it's become a story. But, you know, on a positive note, he is not on a big news network. He probably has less listeners than we do. So, so good on that <laughs> from that level. But again, th- there was a guy on there, and I, I didn't watch the whole interview. There was a guy on the clip, sit, you know, you had four people on a little panel, all on Zoom, it looked like. And the guy that was next to this dude talking 
was in this yellow shirt. He had Greek on, and he just looked dumbfounded, confused, and a little bit angry yeah. at what this guy was saying. So I'd be really interested to hear what his response would be hmm. if they let him talk. My guess is they probably didn't. You- but it is it, it that is that is the state. That's where we are in in our culture right now. It is you know people getting up in arms about the idea that you can't teach transgenderism to kindergartners. Right. We're talking five to eight year olds. Like that's, that is the, I mean. Who don't necessarily know what a girl or boy is other than girls have long hair, boys don't. Sometimes. Sometimes. And I play with dolls, he plays with trucks. Like that simple, sometimes. (laughs) But seriously though, that simplistic of a view of, of what boy and girl means. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They don't know the inner workings of, of the plumbing. Right. Not supposed to. They shouldn't. Not yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So. It's baffling to me yeah. that, that we have gone this far. And, and I, I guess we should have seen it coming. Well, it makes sense. It makes it does sense. It makes sense that this is the hill they want to die on. I'm, but yeah, the, the logic or the lack thereof behind this is just baffling to me. Jesus would have been called a groomer. Come on, dude. What, is that, what does that even mean? Well, you know, we, we talk about... Yeah, man, he'd like comb his hair and stuff, bro. <laughs> no, no, no. Grooming children to be sexual deviants. Okay. And... and, and Grooming children, that's to me, if if you are a teacher in, well, really a teacher, period. If you're a teacher in elementary school specifically, and you're telling kids that, oh, I'm a, I'm a they, them, I'm a he, her, but a he, her, or she, him, like you can use whatever pronouns you want for me, because I'm, I'm a lima bean. I'm not a boy. I'm not a girl. I'm I'm fluid. That's grooming. That's grooming your kids into being these sexual deviants. I mean, there's a reason why there's a spike in transgender, like a just a ridiculous spike of transgenderism, because it's a social contagion. Yeah, people want to be included in things. People want to feel like they're involved, and people want to feel like they they matter. And for whatever reason, right now, this is the social cause that quote unquote matters. This is it. And so you become a victim if you're transgender. You're, you're automatically a victim. Therefore, no one can say anything against you. Yeah, because you're oppressed and you're a victim. Yeah, you're a minority. You're a minority now, even though well, that's anyway. not what that means. Not- it shouldn't surprise us, but. I mean, it seems like almost every day, if I, if I look at the news or look at <laughs> stuff like this, I'm more and more just like, are you serious? How yeah. have we gotten this far? I don't know. The end is coming. The end is coming. It, it, well, we talk, we talk about how you drift into bad theology. Yes. And it starts with like changing one word. Yeah. And it starts with like letting one little idea creep in that's like, okay, it's a little weird. Yeah. But like. I guess it's fine. I can see where this goes. And then two years later, you turn around and you're like, how in the world did I get here when I was back there? Because you just kind of let these things kind of slowly creep in. That's what's happened here. I mean, it it started with banning any any mention of God in the school system. Yeah. It started there. Yeah. And we look back 40 years later, I'm like, how in the world did we get here? I have no idea. I, 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 I I don't get it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, what's the, uh, there was another thing too, it, it said, um, how does the government take power? They encroach upon you until you complain, and they're like, oh, okay, and they back off like one step. But they gained five. But they gained five. Yeah. And then they wait for a while, and they encroach a little bit more until you complain. Then they back off, and they gained another four steps on you. Yeah. But they took a step back. Meanwhile, for the next 50 years, we've been backing up five steps a year, <laughs> and they've been encroaching Exactly, forward. and so now we're 15 miles from where we were just yeah. a few minutes ago. And we're like, wait, where did all our freedoms go? Exactly, and yeah. and that that's what this is that that's what's happened with COVID. That's what's happened. The with, lone pal sicken. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's happened with just with government control in general. Yeah, 
what's happened with our theology within our churches, and that's what's happening with this transgender movement, yeah. where we believe, as a society, that we should be teaching third graders that even if they have a penis, they're still a girl. Yeah. We should be teaching that to third graders. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Well, and there's a reason why Paul, I mean, it, again, just God giving him the foreknowledge to put stuff like this in here. Because, again, this is God. But um, him telling us to stand firm, to be watchful, to watch out in our churches for when these things come in, to as soon as they come in, we we kick it out. Yeah. We kick it out. We get rid of it uproot evil and get rid of it have nothing to do with it and we've seen for the past i mean 2000 years 2000 years of church history you just look back and see the constant struggle going back and forth you have these strong believers like martin luther john calvin all these other guys that they they saw this and they uprooted it and they got rid of it and then they passed and then these weaker christians came into these years of basically no christian at all and the church just suffered yeah. And then we have even today, I mean, we had we had some hardcore evangelists within these past several hundred years, but then this past, I don't know, 50 to 70 years, once we've lost a few of them, just look at the downgrade of America. Yeah. yeah. It's Who, baffling. It, it is baffling. And and we're starting to see, I think, some people pop up yeah. and, and that are prominent and, and gaining prominence, I yeah. think, as well. I hope that trend continues. Yeah. I mean, I think of... You know, Dale Partridge, I think of John Cooper, I think of some of these people that are starting to get pretty good-sized platforms. Yeah. John Cooper, of course, being one that has a huge platform. Huge. That are starting to hopefully make some waves. You yeah. know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Because God willing, we'll be one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it is brutal out there. Yeah. And, and we are fighting... Evil. We are fighting a war that I'm not sure we're ready for in the West. Well, obviously, we're not ready for because our churches are failing. Yeah. And not failing as in their numbers are low, failing as in they're teaching garbage. Why would we defend a castle that has no walls? And our that's our churches. We are our churches are defenseless because of the men in them. Yeah. And that's it. That's the cold hard truth. Yeah. The moment you start seeing wokeness from your pulpit, the minute you start seeing some of the social justice coming from your pulpit, there's a church in Chicago that says we're gonna what, ban whiteness or something. They're gonna right. only sing songs from African American or yeah. are there other ethnicities, you know, come on. Yeah. Like, stop. <laughs> stop. Stop with the virtue signaling. But the yeah. minute you start seeing these things, it is either time to A, actually, I think first, you try to stop that from happening. Yes. yes. But then if that doesn't, if you can't stop it from happening and that church just continues that leftward drift and it starts to really creep in, get out. Yeah. You got to leave. And I am one that is... All for fighting for your church. Yes. I am. We've talked about that multiple times in, in some of these episodes. Yep. That that our church, <coughs> while, while we may not agree on everything from the church that we both go to, we don't necessarily agree with everything theologically, yeah. our church is worth fighting for because yeah. we believe that there is there's a solid core gospel-centered truth yep. being preached at this church. And so while there are times I'm like, okay, that seems a little shallow or, oh, that seems a little not quite where I would go with it. This church is worth fighting for. Yeah. But the minute, and it's not going to happen under our pastor, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. No, yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. But the minute it were to happen, where it's like, oh, ah, that's that's definitely going leftward. That's yeah. definitely leaning. And I'm not talking just left politically, but like left theologically, because we yes. talk about conservative Christianity and liberal Christianity. Yeah. 
they share a lot of same characteristics yeah. with the political side of things. But starting to lean that left or drift, and you're starting to allow wokeness kind of creep in and something like, all right, I'm going to get my defenses up. Mm-hmm. And then if if talking about it and trying to fight it doesn't work, I'm out. Like, I, yeah. I've got to be somewhere that, that preaches the truth. Yeah. Well, going back to the picture of the castle, it is a lot easier to rebuild the walls of a castle that is already foundationed than to go rebuild another one. Right. To rebuild another one, it's going to take too much time, and I, I firmly believe we do not have that kind of time. Right. So for those who are looking at your church like, I'm done, I'm done, um, yeah, there, there, are, there are telltale signs saying, yeah, you need to get out of there, which we've talked about a few. Yeah. But if, like, w- w- with our church, our church is worth fighting for. Absolutely. Truly believe it. We have men in our church that, we again, yeah, we might not align 100%, but I am 100% willing and able, and I am all for fighting right next to him. Yeah, absolutely. In the trenches for as long as possible. Yeah, 100%. And so that don't hear this, those of you that go to our church, as <laughs> yeah, us right. saying anything negative about it. We're yeah. just saying, like, we're never going to find a church that we agree with 100% yeah. 100% of the time. It's never going to happen. Yep. Especially on some of these more tertiary issues, yeah. more, you know, just kind of out there, yeah. philosophical issues even. Yeah. Like, that's fine. That's okay. We're never going to agree with all those things 100% of the time. Right. So we're not saying anything negative. We're saying our church is like, we, we have that foundation, I believe. We have men, like you said, that are willing to fight mm-hmm. and that we want to fight alongside. So yep. absolutely. Is our church perfect? No. But is any church perfect? Absolutely no. not. No. Because we're run by humans, right? And sinful people. Yeah. Sinful yeah. people run the church. And so it, it is, you know, be on guard for what your yeah. church is teaching and, and what you're hearing from your pulpit yeah. and what you're hearing from... I mean, even the social media from your pastors and, and, and your your leaders within the church, because especially, you know, your bigger churches are going to have a social media presence. Yeah. Pay attention to what they're posting. Yes. And, and pay attention to what they're saying and, and the, the articles they're sharing and the, the things they're writing, because, you know, that gives you a good sign as to where the church is going. Right. Right? As to where it's heading. You know, I, I think of a church that I was at before I came here, and it started with, the, from the pulpit a couple of times, just in passing talking about police brutality. And not in a sense of when it happens, it's wrong, but in a sense of it's an epidemic. Mm. And I just don't... And systemic. And I just don't think it is, but that's a different conversation we're not going to have. But that's where it kind of started, and that kind of... It perked my ears a little bit, and I'm like, "Ah, this seems... I'm not sure I'm okay with this, you know? And then they started focusing on... Focusing on diversity. I mean, okay, like, I'm not opposed, obviously, to diversity... Right? Like, as the big word, diversity. Like, I'm not opposed to that. I don't care who's on stage singing as long as they're a believer. Right. Right? We all have different gifts. What color you are or what ethnicity. I don't care. Right. As long as you're a believer and and, and you you are living your life worthy of the calling that you have upon your life, go for it. Be up there. Praise, worship, sing, teach. Yes. We're all different in the body of Christ. Exactly. Like, I am all for diversity in that sense. But then you're starting to, it became about race Mm -hmm. and it started to become about blm and you're starting to see this that you start to see that slow fade of like all right let's now let's talk about jesus as a social justice warrior Mm. and it started coming back to that and i'm like i gotta leave like this is not okay dangerous this is dangerous this is pushing a a false a very false narrative within our country and within you know within our churches yeah and then it starts then you start talking about how we need to rid ourselves of the whiteness. I'm not sure this church went that route, but I'm saying the next mm. step would be we need to really cleanse ourselves of the whiteness, and, and we need to repent for being white. 
Uh, and again, I'm not saying that church yeah. did that. I'm just saying that's the next step in this yeah. process. Let me and repent I'm like, for the image of God in which God created me. Yeah. Mm. And my culpability in whatever oppression has been taking place over the last however many years. Golly. I've I've, I've never oppressed anybody. <laughs> At least not that I know of. <laughs> if I have, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, being repressed. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that I don't know. We that went on a few different rabbit trails there but yeah hey. thanks brad <laughs> it's you know nine o'clock on a saturday morning when we're recording this so it's, i'm, I'm kind of i'm hyper weird. like i'm kind of ready to go I've, i slept last night like <laughs> let's just get rolling so anyway so we spent a good 30 minutes on that let's dive into romans chapter 16 finish up romans um i'm excited to to have gone through this if you haven't listened to this our series on the book of romans go back man mm-hmm. it, it we we dive really deep. In fact, there were two episodes on two verses, right? So we yeah. did Romans 12, 1 for a full episode and Romans 12, 2 for a full episode. And each one is like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. Long. So, I mean, yeah. we, we really do try to dive deep and, yeah. and dig into what Paul is saying and, and what God is saying through Paul. And Paul's going to wrap it up here in Romans chapter 16. So let's get started and, and we will read it and then dive into it. Cool beans. All right. Chapter 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Sincrea that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in your house. Greet my beloved Eponatus who was the first convert in Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stychus. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphania and Tryphosa. <laughs> Greet the beloved Perseus, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlygian, Hermes, or Hermes, Hermes. <laughs> Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers, who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, <laughs> and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Thanks for reading that part. Thanks. You bet. <laughs> Verse 17, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. And so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I... Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. 
Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thus concludes the book of Romans. The letter to the Roman church and the believers in Rome. Mm -hmm. The surrounding churches of Rome, too, yeah. So, let's dive in. I mean, you know, the first 16 verses that Austin eloquently read through, hard to do that. I mean, there was a reason why I paused and was hoping you would pick up (laughs) (laughs) verses 1 through 16. I knew it. Yeah, I did not want to try to get some of these names. (laughs) That's funny. But it, it, it feels like a lot of this is... You know, just tell everyone, thank you. Thank thank you oh, yeah. to you people. You know, you look at like the, the dedication in a book, in the front cover of a book, where it says, to my wife and my kids, thank you for your support. Like, it, it feels like that is what Paul is doing here. He is, for the first few verses of this chapter, he's saying, man, thank you guys. Thank you for everything you've done. Tell them all. I said, hello. I, I love them. You know, greet each other with a holy kiss. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done. And, and there are names in here that like we could talk about and we could really dive into, kind of like we did with Hall of Faith last week, where there, the, each each of these people have stories and oh, have, yeah. have there are reasons why they're in here. We're not going to go through all of those today because we just don't have the time and that would be a whole thing. Also, how many of these people are mentioned more than just right here? Right. I feel like there are a few that I'm just like, I don't know if I know anything about these yeah, people. Yeah, there's, there's only a couple that are mentioned throughout his his letters. But but again, looking at context and importance, I guess. Paul Paul's referring to the people that the church in Rome would know. Right. I mean the probably likely the the people in the church of Corinth or Ephesus, they probably wouldn't have known most of these people. Uh some of them sure, uh like Timothy, uh several several churches would probably know him. But yeah, right off the bat, so Phoebe I, I don't recall her being mentioned anywhere else except this one. Phoebe is referenced as being the one who actually delivered Paul's letter to the Romans. Based on this, I, I don't know the accuracy of that, but I mean, it, it sounds correct. <laughs> yeah. So he, he commends uh, to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea. So she was a servant there, she served, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has a patron of many, and myself as well. So yeah, she served at the church. She, um, the, the word there is deacon, deaconess, and she was a servant. She, she did she, servant things. <laughs> yeah, well, she cared for sick believers, she cared for the poor, for strangers, she cared for people in prison. Yep. Like, she did a lot of the, the taking care of people, right? Well, she did she was what motherly in that sense. We've all been called to do. Right. I, not to get too deep, but a lot of people look at this as, oh, well, this, this says, Paul says that Phoebe was a leader in the church and that she was hence able to teach leading men and teaching preaching within the church and and that's not that's not what this is diving into is she just saying that she was a servant that she did what basically she was supposed to do within the church as we're all called to do right um probably taught women and children yeah absolutely titus 2 yeah yeah so yeah and so i'm reading through and i read through some of this before we we started just these commentaries that mention these names and Mm -hmm. again even even the the person writing this commentary was like we don't know a lot about these people. You know, we talk about Priscilla and Aquila. There, There is other mentions of them back in Acts, and we could get into that. Uh, but go back and read Acts chapter 18. But look at like Epinetus. 
and verse 5, probably saved through Paul's preaching and lovely discipled by the apostle. Adronicus and Junia, perhaps a married couple, since uh, Junia could be a woman's name. They were probably uh, sharing the same cell at some point with Paul, potentially, right? It, it, and again, these are just kind of like, maybe. Maybe this, maybe. Is, maybe this is why they're there. Amplius, a common name among the emperor's household slaves at that time. He may have been one of those in Caesar's household. Stychus, an uncommon Greek name meaning ear of corn. He was obviously close to Paul, but the details are unknown. Hmm. We, we don't know anything about him. And so again, just not a ton of teaching in this section. Just mentioning names of people that we don't necessarily know a lot about. Oh, in the headline, it says personal greetings. Yeah. You know, th- this is part of the letter that I, I I definitely would not go as far as to say is it's not important. It is important. All of it is. It's breathed out by God. But yeah, this is the section where Paul is referencing certain people saying, hey, giving kudos to this person. Hey, remember this person. Hey, pray for this person. Right. Thank you to all these people for everything. And even Phoebe saying, you know, she has been a patron of many and myself as well. So she she helped them on their way. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's awesome. So we'll jump down to verse 17 and verses 17 through 20. Wait, you, you don't want to go through greet one another with a holy kiss? <laughs> I mean, we can. Is there anything, is there anything to that? <laughs> is it a command? No. Or is it a suggestion? It, it is a give your mom a hug. Like it's legit, at least the way I see that and the way I feel like based on the context and everything else yeah. it is legitimately just like hey give these all give these people a hug for me give them a holy kiss so, you know so you don't want to go back to greeting people with a kiss. i don't I, I love you people <laughs> but keep your lips off me <laughs> do the whole you know touch your your finger to your lips and then smack somebody or something <laughs> never mind okay verse 17 <laughs> So, uh, we are going to start, starting this week, uh, just making out with everyone we see in church, just, just because stop. that's... Just, just oh, quit. Just quit <laughs> Did it. Did that take it too far? You took it way too far. <laughs> Gosh, this is weird. Anyway. 17. Just go to 17. <laughs> so, verses 17 through 20 is really the last little bit of instruction Paul's going to give to this church and to these body of believers. And it goes perfectly with what we just talked about a few minutes ago. Yes. With the whole woke groomer Jesus thing that, that this person, uh, the heretic, <laughs> I don't know, whatever other word you want to use for this guy that he, that he was talking about. So I'm going to read these three verses real quick. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the, direct, to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So, I mean, church unity. Yeah. Right? And making sure that... Anybody who teaches something contrary to the gospel, contrary to what Paul has taught, you avoid them. Yeah. You get them out. You weed them out. You don't let them teach. You don't let them preach. You don't let them have any authority within the church. Does it mean you kick them out completely? Possibly. If you go through the proper steps of church discipline, then yeah, you do. You absolutely do. But this 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 leads to such a huge topic that we could really dive into about these these flat you know, what's he say? His smooth talk and flattery. Yeah. Where we see these mega church pastors who have this ginormous following because they're good speakers. 
Yeah. Because they have some charisma. They have they're really good at public speaking. They they say inspirational things that sound good, but they don't preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And we have to be wary of that and not fall into that trap. Well, uh, 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 elsewhere in scripture it says that we're not being thrown ar- or uh, we're not being tossed around like waves. Yeah. With the, <clears throat> with doctrine. Yeah. Every wave of different doctrine. And doctrine is just teaching. Doctrine is the teaching. He's saying uh, contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. So everything that Paul has been teaching them, everything that they have taught by way of the Old Testament, by way of hearing about Christ, the things that you have been taught do not steer away from that doctrine. Doctrine is important, which we can get to in a different episode, but doctrine is very important. And then, yeah, skipping down, so looking at the naive, there are naive people within the church. Absolutely. And that does not mean just, you know, young. That does not mean young in age and young, newer in the faith necessarily. We have it can. People that, it can yeah, be. We have people in the faith that have been there a long time that are still very naive. And... And it's talking about all of those people, how a smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. And we have those people in church. And yeah. that is, uh, I, I I fault a lot of the men in the church for some of that. A lot of that is, again, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Right. But especially today in the churches, we have such a weak backbone within the church. We do. That. Yeah. They're just not doing what they're supposed to be doing, strengthening the way they're supposed to. Right. But but once you've done that, it, yeah, it is, it is completely up to them if they want want it or not. Right. And and these people, not not only does this include these people who are smooth talk and, and flattering and they're able to deceive hearts, it's those who cause divisions and create obstacles. Yes. So it's talking about people who complain, I, I believe, complain ad nauseum about anything. That they don't agree with, that they don't like. And they seek to gossip. They seek to get into other people's ears yeah. and say, oh, hey, this person believes this. This isn't right. We need to, we need to like, you know, whisper, 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 and let, let's cause division <laughs> and let's, let's split the church yeah. over these things. And let's, oh, he, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what examples to give, but like. Well, it's a lot of things that are based on feelings. Yeah, exactly. I feel this or I don't like this or yeah. I don't think this. It's like, I don't necessarily care what you think or feel. It, it is if it's I, con- especially if it's contrary to the gospel. Especially if it's contrary to the gospel. Yeah. No, I care on what scripture says, and if scripture says to do something, we're supposed to do it. We talked about, you know, we posted a thing on on our Facebook and Instagram pages about the the high, having a high view of scripture. Yeah. I actually stole it from your wife because <laughs> she posted it, and I took it from her, and I posted it on our Facebook page. It's fine. <laughs> we're one. You. It's fine. That's right. So, <laughs> but it's it's having this high view of scripture, and and my comment in there was, you know, the Bible makes us uncomfortable. It makes our flesh uncomfortable. It yep. makes us uneasy. We don't like it. Our flesh, at least, our flesh doesn't like it. Let me point that out. Our, I, I love scripture. I'm talking about our our the fleshly side of us, right? That, that is opposed to God. Yeah. If you read like something it. in scripture, and you're like, ooh, I don't like that. That's your flesh. That's your flesh, and and. <laughs> It makes us uncomfortable, and change is uncomfortable, yeah. right? You talk about we're, we're compared to being pruned, mm-hmm. right? Not the, beyond the grafted in. We're talking about being pruned and being shaped, our, our shaped, and are molded, and and that's not comfortable, yeah, right? There, there are times you know talk about the potter where he slams the clay back onto the ground and breaks what he did, and then redoes it, yeah, right. That's us. Like that. That's a metaphor for us. We have to be broken at times, and we have to be reshaped and remolded and limbs cut off of us and dead parts of us removed. Yeah. It's painful. 
it's icky. We don't like it. Our flesh yeah. hates it. Oh yeah. But good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> like it that Don't listen point. to your flesh. It's your flesh suppo- hates God. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. The yeah. Bible is supposed to make us uncomfortable at times. Yeah. It's supposed to fill us with hope and 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 love and grace and mercy and all those things that are good and that the the lefty Christian wants to focus on. Yes, there is an element of truth to some of that because it does fill us with hope and yes. grace and mercy and love and respect and treating others with respect and dignity. But also, <laughs> it's supposed to cause radical change. It's yes. supposed to cause us to desire completely different things than what we naturally desire. It's supposed to cause us to call out sin for sin, call out evil for evil, Yeah, right? It forces us to sometimes cut ties with people that are dragging us down. Yeah. That, you know, Paul says to dust your feet off and move on. Yep. It, that's supposed to happen. It's not comfortable. It, it flies against what the Wokies want and what the groomers want. Because, yes, there are groomers out there. A lot of them in the public school system. The Bible makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. And so when you talk about feelings and, and someone within your church is talking about their feelings and they get their feelings and they don't like it and they try to sow division and they try to come and, and, and split the church or even divide the church for whatever reason, avoid those people. Yeah. Paul says that explicitly. Avoid them. At some point, you ask them to leave if they won't repent and change. Yeah. yeah. And say, look, you, you can't you can't come back until you are repentant and restored and we will welcome you back with open arms and we will work with you. But until you until you can control that divisiveness that's within you, yeah. you you can't be here. Yeah, because you you're not furthering the kingdom. Yeah, and you're causing a hindrance and an obstacle to the sound doctrine that we want to teach. Yeah, and I, I love I love when scripture brings up you know cultivating whenever it brings up pruning. Um, as Christ says in John that I am the vine, my Father is the vine dresser. As Paul talks about. In Romans about the olive tree, about the pruning, and in likening people to fruit trees, likening the church to an olive tree. When you let a fruit tree or an olive tree just go, grow however it wants, it gets contorted, it grows whichever way it wants, and it becomes so full that the fruit lessens. There is less fruit that grows. And before that happens, the fruit gets smaller. Yeah. The fruit doesn't taste as good anymore to the point where the fruit tree might actually stop producing fruit and you have to go through, you have to shape it, you have to prune it and tell it which way you need to grow. It's called lateral trimming. You you trim it off to a lateral in the position that you want it to grow and you top it because if it gets too tall, you can't reach any of the fruit, right. but you shape it and it takes a lot to go through and shape a tree, to go through and trim a tree. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I'm a tree yeah. trimmer. But once you have a fruit tree that gets to the point of it, it's pretty much not growing anything, it's not producing anything. One, Scripture says to cut it down. Right. And that's that's biblical. <laughs> yeah. And referring to people in the church. But once you have trimmed it back, once you've got it to the way it needs to go, sometimes it might take a year or two before it starts producing again. And I I take that straight to looking at people, looking at the church. If you have a church or a person that has gone so far in their own way, and they they come back, they come back to God, and they get pruned, it's really hard. It is really hard for that to come back in the way it's supposed to, but they will. I think I've told this story before on here, but I'll tell it again real briefly. Uh, When I was looking for a new church to plug into, uh, after leaving the one I had mentioned 
earlier in this episode, I went to a church that I think my first, either my first or second week there, I think I went there three or four weeks. My first or second week there, they baptized a, a, a man who they said had used was on staff there. I'm like, oh, this is intriguing. And, and they, of course, they were like, hey, you know, brother so-and-so is being baptized. You know, you all know him as a former pastor here. He He's now a believer. And of course, they, the people, the members of the church knew what was going on. I'm sitting there thinking, what is happening here? This is so bizarre. And what had happened, they practiced church discipline better than I've ever seen it practiced. Yeah. They, he, and they told his story. They, they told his story. He was a seminary student here in Louisville, or over in Louisville. And he ended up, he came to that church while going to seminary. He ended up joining the staff as a pastor. Not sure exactly what role, but as, as one of the pastors. And turns out he had a just a pretty devastating addiction to pornography. Now, you can be a believer and have an addiction to pornography. You're fighting it. You know, you're convicted over it. You struggle with it because we struggle with things as believers. Yeah. But in this process of that coming to light, they determined that he was not a believer at all. Hmm. Like, there was no conviction. There was no repentance like there there was nothing that indicated he was a believer and he came to that conclusion that he was not a believer yeah so of course he was removed from that position well, he he, was, he stepped down from he, that position he stepped he? down yeah yeah he stepped down and and he was not removed from the church but removed from any kind of role of leadership any right. any kind of ability to to lead in any way even serving like on the greeting team he couldn't do like he couldn't yeah. do anything until he was restored mm. and that sunday i happened to be there he was, it was the kind of the final restoration of him. Like yeah. he, and it was a celebration. Like there, what you, you start, you think of church discipline, and you think of someone being bitter and angry because the church let, made him leave and, mm. and so on and so forth. And that's not what this was. Like this was a legitimate, like, all right, dude, you got to step down. Like he stepped down willingly, but it was still forced upon him. Like yeah. you have to step down. But then, and basically, quote unquote, leave the church. But then we're going to come alongside you, and we're going to restore you, and we're yeah. going to build you back, counsel up. you, and we're going to get you to where you know you need to be. And he got saved, and yeah. he had that con- a, a true conversion experience, and he got baptized mm. in the church he used to be a pastor of when he wasn't apparently a believer. Yeah, just and it, I got goosebumps just thinking about it because that <laughs> is how it's supposed to go. Yeah, we do ask you to leave essentially, but then we bring you back. Right. When you have repented and you have shown contrition and you have shown that, man, I, yeah, I screwed that up. That was not like I messed up in your eyes. I messed up in God's eyes. Like, I am sorry for my sin on a cosmic level, not just a personal level of, oh, I made the church mad. And he, he was restored and he was baptized and it was a celebration. Like, I got, I got a little misty. I never heard the situation until that day because he was lost and then he was found. Such a cool, cool part of church discipline that, that doesn't get talked about at all, ever. So to give a little extra context for that, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, starting verse 13. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So I think that goes well with this that to not do any to have nothing to do with him and but not treating him as an enemy but warning him as a brother and when you have nothing to do with a brother it is supposed to make them feel ashamed right have them feel ashamed of what they've done so that they come back and be like repent yeah what i've what i did was wrong and then you go go on with that 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just finishing it up. I mean, I, yeah, he he lists a few others. Timothy. We we see who actually wrote the letter in verse twenty two. Well, real quick, let me jump back if you don't mind. Yeah. Just I want to point out this one phrase here in verse nineteen. It says, for obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to mm. what is good and yeah. innocent as to what is evil. That is not something we are good at here yeah. in the West, right? Yeah. And, and honestly, it's hard to be innocent to what is evil, as far as like a knowledge of what is out there. But what he's talking about here is not partaking in... Purity. Yeah, being yeah. pure. Being of sound mind, being of sound doctrine, being of sound action, you don't partake in these evil acts that are explicitly laid out all throughout the book of Romans. Yeah. Just scattered in all the sexually immoral, the, the, you know, divisiveness and, and just false teachings. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he hits a lot of them throughout this whole chapter and he says, be innocent about those. Don't let anyone basically bring up any kind of charge against you. Don't, you know, live in a manner where they're like, okay, we can't, bring up this charge against him because that's ridiculous because he yeah. is above reproach. Yeah. Well, and yeah, looking at innocence from that perspective of being pure, there's a reason why we're, we're likened to be supposed or supposed to be like the innocence of children. Right. Whenever we have our children and we don't want them around, you know, bad language, we don't want them to hear those things or we don't want them to see certain things. But yet, then we're okay to do that ourselves. We're like, oh, well, yeah, we're fine with bad language. It doesn't really affect me much. Or um, <clears throat> where, where where it can be avoided. Where point, it can point, be avoided. Point that yeah. out. Just where it can be avoided. Yeah. Yeah. And but and it gets to that point where it's like, oh yeah, I'm fine with it. I I don't use it, so I'm good with it. And and it, it with us. I mean, we've talked about it. The people you work with or the people I work with, it's every day, all day yeah. long, and it's hard not to get. I, I guess callous to it, to where you're used to it. Right. As Christians, we should never be used to that, and we we need and the purpose is so that we are always on guard for that. Right. And we need to have that innocence or purity as a child, to where we hear that and we're like, ooh, no, ugh, nope, I, I want nothing very, to do with that. Very hard to do. Very hard to do. One maybe one of the hardest instructions in the Bible, to be honest with yeah. you, because we do get so. Whether we use that language or not, we do get so desensitized. Yeah, we get used to it. Yeah. In one ear, I've said that before about myself. It's like it's in one ear, not the other. I hear it constantly. Like I, it, it doesn't even phase me anymore. Yeah. And and on some level, like should we should I react every time someone says a bad word and with no. horror and clutching my pearls? No, like that's not what we're talking about right. here. But we should hear it. Okay. Here's here's a good example. <laughs> I'm talking to myself here, and I don't like this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> um, watching a movie that has language in it. I could watch a movie by myself or with certain friends and not really pay much attention to what language is in there. But if I watch it with my grandmother, Betty, or my gra- or mother, grandmother, Barbara, or even my stepmom, Margie, like if I watch it with them, I hear every word like it's been yep. volume volume to 11. Yep. Like I hear every single utterance because I'm around, because of whom I'm, who I'm around and I don't right. want them to, like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that is a perfect example of that. It's like, okay, do we need to, again, clutch our pearls when your coworker says a bad word? No, we don't. No. Like we don't react and act <clears throat> like we're whatever. But like, but honestly, we, that that is what I'm talking about. The, yeah. The 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 movies. Yeah. You know, would I sit down and watch a movie that my children cannot watch? Oh, you hear every word. I hear every, every I, word. I don't want them to hear that. So my mentality is, why am I therefore letting that seep into my mind? Again, yeah. renewing the mind. I am not renewing my mind by doing that. And that, and again, that's my conviction. I've been convicted of that because I'm like. 
I am to be innocent of this this evil. And as, as we read in scripture, we're not supposed to talk that way. That is evil. So therefore, why would I subject myself to that voluntarily right. when I, I don't want my children like that? So I am to stay as innocent as I possibly can. And yeah, going to work, I can't do much to that. And I, there are several people at work where I'm able to look at them and I, I can look at them and say, dude, for one, it's seven o'clock in the morning and you're hitting F this and F that. I'm like, dude, it is way too early <laughs> to be hearing that. And and it's cool because my coworkers at pretty much at this point will be, oh, dude, sorry. And yeah. they'll, they'll stop. But yeah, why would you voluntarily <laughs> do that? Wake up and get a good few good f bombs dropped oh, in there. <laughs> Just not to a, start not the a, day not off. A few, not a few, <laughs> a lot more than a few. All right, so let's wrap up Romans sixteen. He talks, to, of course, Timothy. You know, which we he he is a prominent figure throughout the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person who wrote it, you know, Paul was dictating this letter to Tertius. Ter, ter, tertius. Tertius? Tertius? No, there's no extra I in there. Tertius. He uh, dictated it to him. (laughs) (laughs) And then Gaius, the host, the the person who is hosting Paul and the whole church. And then he ends with just worship. He ends with worship. He ends with worship. And and I think, I don't know if we necessarily need to comment on this section. I just think we read it and and, and end the episode just reading Paul worshiping God. Sounds good to me. And it says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forever, through Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Book of Romans. We have been plugging away through this for a while. Go back, listen to our episodes on Romans. They don't necessarily have to be listened to in order. It does help. They don't have to be. Jump into Romans 9. Jump into Romans, some of these tougher ones to chew on. Jump into Romans 12, a very convicting one. We, yes. We've spent a few episodes on Romans 12 alone. Yeah. Dive into those, and and we, you know, we're we're gonna go through some more books here soon, and maybe the parables of Jesus. Like we're gonna get into some more of the teachings of of the Bible, and continue with kind of the format that we're going right now, and you know, get into some cultural issues and some Bible issues. But yeah. this Romans, the the first book that we've gone through has been a blast, and yeah, and really enjoyed it, and it's been a blessing just to us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, to go through and study it each week, and so thank you guys again for listening. Give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, five-star review on, on Apple if you think about it. We're up to 21 of those. That'd be awesome to get to 30 here soon. But hit those five stars. You don't have to write a review, although if you do, we'll read it. We'll read it. Thank you guys so much again for listening. We love you guys. And until we meet again next week, stay, stay rooted. rooted.